0: Thank you, Mark and Ross, for the welcome. Um, Just to help you out a little bit here as to what my job title actually is. Uh, So I guess the best way to describe it is um, I am part of a team appointed by the State Board, directed by the State Minister, Peter Barney, to assist and resource the work of the conference. The conference isn't an office down the road. It's actually you guys. Um, and the other 50 churches who call themselves Churches of Christ in South Australia. So we're here as a resource team for you and to help you go about the business of participating in God's mission. Um, And uh, one of the things that I do as part of that team is I'm the mission and ministry director, so I make sure the ministers are behaving themselves, Um, trained, equipped, uh, all of the stuff that ministers have to attend to, and assist churches with uh, understanding how to attend to the mission God's called them to in their local community. The other role that I have is director of the Tabor Churches of Christ Study Centre. That's a long job title. Uh, so I'm a lecturer at Tabor College. Uh, that's where I have an interface with people who are studying a, their call to ministry. Um, and a lot of people come through our Ministry Pathways Program for Churches of Christ Ministry from Tabor College. So uh, I'm currently teaching a subject called Churches of Christ, History and Identity. It's a fascinating subject, if you like history. Um, and I'm, I learn as much in the classroom as my students do. So uh, it's, uh, it's a really great, uh, really great and busy job that I have. Um, hopefully this is going to work for me. So, what does it mean to love your neighbour? Tough question. The kids seem to have some good answers for that. The art of neighbouring is a complicated issue. It means sacrificing something of yourself, giving up something precious for the sake of another, really reaching out and risking everything, putting everything on the line. Well, my brother was faced with a dilemma yesterday. Can you guess what it was? It's a very popular dilemma in the media at the moment. He ran out of toilet paper. (laughs) My brother ran out of toilet paper. He sent me a text message and he said, um, I've got a dilemma. Now, he lives about half an hour drive away from me, so I wasn't going to help him. Um, <laughs> now he actually said to me, hey, can you recommend anywhere where I can, I can find toilet paper? Because all the shops seem to be empty. And I said, well, you know, Feedland Blackwood, they just had 16 pallets arrive yesterday. Um, so you'd go there if you like. Anyway, he must have sent the message around because uh, he got back to me with this picture. And, uh, and he said, it with the, the, the tag on his text message said, I have a good neighbour. This is what it means to be a good neighbour in today's world, folks. <laughs> Here we go, we can go home now, lesson done. <laughs> uh, seriously though, um, there's lots of examples in our world today of what neighbouring, uh, what good neighbouring does not look like. Particularly if you walk into a shopping centre over the last week, you'll find out how not to be a neighbour. Uh, If you want to know how to be a neighbour, do something really basic and simple and life-giving and supportive and uplifting for someone. Drop them a roll of toilet paper. Um, Let's dip into the text a bit then and see if we can land a practical answer to the question out of what we discover about god about ourselves our neighbor and what jesus asks of us in all in relation to all three the context here is is random but it's no mistake that luke's gospel this interaction between the expert of the law and the and jesus follows jesus sending 72 others he appoints them two by two to go out into the towns and villages where he intends to be so it's no no mistake that jesus will then have an encounter or luke puts a story into the gospel at this point in time where jesus has just taught his disciples what it means to go out and be good neighbors it means go out and Present yourself to the people where Jesus intends to be. Go out and receive hospitality from the people who live around you. Go out and proclaim the good news of the gospel by healing the sick. Tell them that the kingdom of God is near. And now it might appear odd that this is a seemingly pleasant interaction between an agreeable religious experts. Jesus, a rabbi, an expert of the law understands the book of moses the lawyer asks a question and jesus responds with a question the lawyer answers the question and jesus agrees and the lawyer then asks another question and jesus tells a story then asks a the question and the lawyer answers the question and jesus affirms with an invitation to respond in practice well there's a couple of things wrong with this encounter asking questions for the purpose of gaining advantage over another It's not cool. It's not a kingdom exercise. Asking questions to trick people in Christian community or any faith community is not a cool thing to do. The lawyer standing up to test is an indication of disrespect and arrogance with no intention of actually following through on anything that he has to say. What must I do it's an interesting question to ask what he's really asking is what observance of the law of Moses must I adhere to in order to get what I want we might simply say these days what's the right thing for me to believe another thing wrong with this encounter is asking questions with no intention of implementing the answer The goal of such conversation is not to outwit or make a fool of another, nor is having the right answer mean that you are any closer to knowing God. Jesus doesn't say, yeah, right, good answer. You're my star pupil. He says, go and do. Go and do. Go and put this into practice. Loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul and strength and mind and loving your neighbour as yourself is not a nice creedle statement you tuck away and go, right, I've got that memorised, I've got that sorted now and ignore its implications. When Jesus says, do this and you will live, he's saying if you really want to live, if you really want the fullness of life now, and the life to come, if you really love God, then love is a verb. Put it into action. Then you will understand, truly understand what life is about. Put God before all else and see in your neighbour the same worth with the same love that God has for you. The context for... The story tells uh, Jesus tells is is fascinating in many ways and I 've never actually given much thought to the terrain or the geography of the journey from Jerusalem to Jericho have you I mean we get all these kind of pictures of this nice flat pathway and um, and, and it seems very open and, and not very confronting at all actually the road from Jerusalem to Jericho is a 17-kilometre rugged, treacherous terrain that goes down through ravines and along cliff sides and um, there's lots of hiding places and it's a very high elevation from Jerusalem down to to Jericho, which is from the mountains down into the flats. It's a frequently travelled road, but it's steep, it's windy, it's treacherous. And it's a difficult journey. But for those who seek worship in the temple, this is the road they take from Jericho to Jerusalem and back again. And so we have a priest and a Levite in the story, and that makes sense. The people coming and going on this road have religious purpose. But then so do we, don't we, in the roads that we travel in our daily lives? Don't we also have some sense of religious purpose and what we're going about doing aren't we also ambassadors for christ in our everyday lives we have some kind of religious purpose that's the point of the story that jesus is telling why he says a priest was also traveling along the road a levite was also traveling along the road a samaritan well we don't really like talking about samaritans but he was also traveling along a road and all of them had some kind of religious purpose Doesn't this parable call us to act with purpose, with conviction inspired by our religious beliefs on a daily basis? There are two people in this story that do not act with the conviction of that belief. So then, and this is the question I pose to you, where is your Jericho Road in your everyday journey? Where are the places where you hang out? Where are the frequently visited places for you? Where are the places where you might have a weekly or a daily routine of place or presence? And further to that, what kinds of risks might you run into by pausing on such a road to offer help to another? Now, in Australia today, we might not pose many risks at all. Certainly, maybe not many physical risks, maybe reputational risk, maybe risk to what kind of a group might exclude me if I interact with that person. We're good at isolating people if they don't do the right thing. That's kind of the way we abuse people in our society today. In this story, the person we know least about in terms of social class and identity is the person who needs help. Yet this is the only one we get a sense of direction of travel from. He was heading towards Jericho, probably after visiting the temple in Jerusalem. And three characters come across him, but only one stops. From the perspective of the person asking the question of Jesus, who is my neighbour, it would appear reasonable that the priest and the Levite not, not risk stopping to help the man beaten up, left for dead, because they're not expecting to have such an encounter on the, on the road. Therefore, they're not prepared. They might be excused. Or they don't want to risk making themselves unclean, particularly if they're on their way to the temple. Or they simply just don't want to inconvenience themselves. The fact the person who stopped to help the man was a Samaritan is a provocative statement from Jesus more than anything. There is nothing particularly special about the Samaritan, quite the opposite. This is a person who is of mixed race, worships God in the wrong place, doesn't adhere to the correct cleanliness rituals, is essentially a religious heretic and a social outcast, according to the Jews. This is not a golden example of a neighbour. Actually, these are the neighbours that we don't talk to. What's special about him is that he is the one who puts the law into practice. He is the one who is moved with compassion. A Samaritan, a geographical neighbour to the Jews, is the example of the one who is a neighbour to the person in need. Jesus calls the hearer of this story to take an extraordinary risk naming the samaritan not only causes the hearer to rethink the stereotype associated with this character but invalidates all stereotypes we assign to people in society community can no longer be defined or limited by such terms the three passers-by on the road are each identified by social class but the man left for dead is not identified by any label at all. There is nothing there that identifies him as someone that we we maybe should avoid or not help. Therefore, gives some new definition to everyone we encounter in the road, that there is no label associated with them that ought to prevent us from having an encounter. The best way to define a neighbour in this story is an anonymous, labelless person is helped or loved by an outsider. I don't know who came up with the, with the tag that we have in our Bibles, Good Samaritan. Jesus doesn't say anything about being good. It's not in the Scriptures at all. We call it the Good Samaritan, but there's nothing good about a Samaritan. What's good about this story is that a stranger has compassion on another stranger. <laughs> That's what's good about the story. There is nothing particularly special about the characters. What makes us say the Samaritan is good is is that he's putting the law of Moses into practice. So what prevents us from doing likewise? What prevents us from doing this in our daily lives? Maybe we don't have an issue. Maybe there's something that gets in our way. Why would we not help someone or give ourselves to the cause of someone else's well-being? Is safety an issue? That's a valid concern. And this needs discernment. But I think there's reason that why Jesus sends his disciples out in pairs. It's for accountability, for safety, for debrief. I think it's good to do things with other people. Is it because of a person might be stigmatized in our society? Maybe their sexual or gender identity doesn't fit our frame. They might be of a religious or ethnic background that we're suspicious of. Or there is some other social class of ability, health, status that puts them into a group that we fear to engage. See, there are rules that we create in our society. Some of those rules are spoken, some of them are unspoken. There are rules that we create within faith communities, some are spoken, some are unspoken, that define what we should do and what we shouldn't do, who we should or shouldn't associate with, what we should or shouldn't believe. These rules stigmatise us with fear of the other. The Gospel invites us to break the rules for the sake of the kingdom. Our starting point is a love for God above all else, finding our identity in the crucified and risen Christ and participating in Christ through God's mission in the world. So our question to one another ought to start with, what does it mean for us to truly love God and go from there? The answer is found in how we love our neighbour, to love God with all our heart and our neighbour as ourself. We reject the rules of society or even the church in favour of the kingdom code, a society without distinctions and boundaries between its members. There are two invitations here love God and love your neighbour. But these invitations are so radically different from the rules in society that when we live by them, we are called to disregard all else, break the rules, and follow the example of Jesus. Ash Barker in his book, Risky Compassion, says, Our liberation from violence and suffering is not found in inflicting violence and suffering on potential threats. The way of Jesus finds life in the radical and risky giving and receiving of neighbourly love. When we see only us and not them and us as a basis for life, we find our mutual liberation richard Rohr in the good news according to luke says the gospel story focuses on the basics pity care and compassion that's what this particular gospel story focuses on and doesn't get caught up in the peripheral issues of religious affiliations or social issues the key ingredient here for us what makes the outsider In this story, a good neighbour to the anonymous person lying helpless on the road is, when he saw him, he was moved with compassion. I mean, some translations have, he had pity on him. I I don't really like that. Actually, the Greek says, which means a deep movement from within to actually move towards someone, to have some kind of a a feeling of compassion towards someone that, that causes you to act. That's the guts of this, to have genuine compassion for our fellow human beings, our neighbours. The Samaritan is someone who is prepared to be interrupted in his journey. expend his energy for the sake of another, risk danger to himself, spend personal resources immediately and ongoing and commits to follow up. Here's some questions that I think are worth considering moving forward as we progress through this series of what does it mean to love my neighbour? Where are my neighbours? asked the kids that. Some of them knew, some of them didn't. Um, who are my neighbours? What do I have capacity to offer? And what's within my ability? What resources do I have? How much time am I prepared to give? What risks am I prepared to take? What defines my neighbour that restricts me? And how much am I prepared to invest into that relationship? These are all questions that I see coming out of the text of how the Samaritan responds to the person lying in the ditch on the road. He attends to his capacity to offer hospitality. He uses the resources he has available to him. He takes risks himself by being on the road. He invests in the relationship by returning to the man after he's been cared for by the innkeeper. So how do we be a neighbor? Well, um, it doesn't have to be rocket science. It can be as easy as dropping a roll of toilet paper on their doorstep. Show an interest. Show an interest in the people who are in your orbit, who are in your world. They might be physical neighbour living next door. They might be... (laughs) My nan, 95 year old, God bless her, uh, just moved into residential care at a Rest Haven facility. She's been living on her own for about 20 years in her own house. It's become difficult for her. So she thought um, when she went into the nursing home, she said, I'm going to make an effort to get to know people. And this is a bit of a reach for her. She's, she's a nice lady, social person, but not overly social. So she she's, gets assigned to a table. So you're actually forced to interact with your neighbors in the home. And at the table, there's these three other ladies, all in her age group. And she says to me, um, Well, that was an interesting interaction. <laughs> I went and visited her the next day. And she says, Well, I decided I would sit down and introduce myself. Hi, I'm Marjorie Ryle, and nice to meet you, or nice to be here. And she said, And the lady across from me just stared at me. <laughs> and then the lady next to me here said, what are you doing here and where are you from? She goes, I'm from Woodville. And this is in Marion, Resthaven. Um, That's a bit of a long way to come, isn't it? (laughs) nice to meet you too. And then the lady over here, she just said, stop yelling. (laughs) My poor 95-year-old Nan is trying to work out how she gets to know her neighbours. So she thought she'd show an interest. So the next day she showed an interest in the next table. She just kind of ignored the ladies there because they didn't want to talk to her. And she met three nice men who (laughs) wanted to talk to her. And she's beginning to put herself out there. To show an interest in someone else doesn't always mean they'll show an interest in you. Okay? But showing an interest in someone else actually opens the door for possibility of encounter. Be present. Oh, by the way, the showing of interest is just as much about listening and developing awareness for your surroundings as anything else. The listening exercise is really important when getting to know your neighbour. Become aware of who is in your orbit, not just what they look like and what their names are, but what is going on in their lives. Be present. Proximity and placemaking is really important. Being present, or the regularity of presence in a place, actually increases the frequency of your contact with a person to the point where you can actually begin to get to know who they are. And respond to opportunity. Compassion moves us, it really does. It's it's a physical thing that happens to us. It's not just a nice feeling. It actually moves us towards others. Be prepared and aware with the resources you have to offer. And let me tell you that the best resource that each of you has is time and the ability to invest in relationship. That's probably the most critical resource. I suggested this resource to a group of Year eights, year nines and year tens. I was asked to go and speak in my um, old high school 30 years after being a year eight student. And they said, um, we want you to come and talk about um, giving to the community. It was kind of their, their way of framing it. And so I challenged the kids. I said, um, you've got 24 hours in a day. What do you do with that time? And, you know, they said to me, you know, there's smartphones. You can get screen time. It tells you what screen time. Ten hours of screen time a day. 10 hours a day. I was actually surprised. And I said, I'm going I'm to challenge you kids to donate an hour of your time to a, a charitable cause or to your neighbourhood community. They looked at me like I had two heads. I said, we've all got the same amount of time. It's what we choose to do with that time that matters. And actually, that's one of the best resources that you have is to give time to the people who are in your world to build relationship with the people who are in your world. That's how you be a neighbour. Well, um, I'm wondering if I could have a helper to distribute those. I can't remember who you said it was, Ali. Um, Mark, if you just want to pick them up, um, someone's going to help hand those around, just so that you've all got... Just to add to your notes... um, Nate wanted to use these last week. And I said, I'll be happy to use it this week. Um, One step you can take towards this, being a neighbor, is mapping out your immediate neighborhood block. And this is just a resource that Nate's been using just to kind of physically kind of define what does my neighborhood block look like? Well, this is what mine looks like. See those blue lines there? The one at the top is a main road. And then the one going down is uh, a street that comes off that main road and then a cul-de-sac. My house is that yellow house there. We're right on the corner of a cul-de-sac and a street that comes off a main road. This is who we've begun to get to know in our local area. Actually, where it says local shops, that's actually a butcher, a baker, not a candlestick maker, (laughs) but a a, um, a fish and chip shop, an Indian restaurant, a landscaping place and a pub so that's everything that's across the road from us and then we've got mandy who's a single mum with her two boys cooper and max and we've got jeff and heidi they go to the local church up the road um, and their daughters Lainey and, and serena and then we've got colin and jody and and their daughter jasmine goes to school with our kids and then behind us we've got nate and lauren and finn now We've been there the longest out of anyone. So here's what we did when we wanted to get to know our neighbours. First of all, we moved into that community as a couple with no kids, young couple, and everyone around us had adult kids and there was no point of connection with them whatsoever. Um, As these people have come into the neighbourhood, and as I said, we've been there the longest, uh, we would go over to their house with some kind of a gift of hospitality, an invitation. We've had all these people around to our house for barbecues, wine and cheese afternoons. We actually have Jeff and Heidi over for wine, cheese and prayer. Um, so, uh, and all of these people know that my wife and I are both ministers. Um, it just comes up in conversation from time to time, but they know we're Jesus people. Uh, and we invite them into conversations about that sometimes. Now, Sometimes they go, eh, not really interested in that conversation. Um, certainly, Jodie's made herself known to me as someone not interested, Colin's interested in that conversation. Um, Nate's interested in that conversation. He's, he's a Catholic boy from way back. The, my point is, we've actually made time to get to know the people who moved in next door to us. And our little house there has become the gathering place for the kids. Kids, if you've got kids, mate, that's like a, 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 a free kick, a free pass. To getting to know people my my kids are better evangelists than me um and uh they they're either they're over at the the neighbor's house or the neighbor's kids are over at our house we just kind of have this open door policy it's good fun but here's the rule there is a rule i said break the rules i'm going to create a rule for you don't get weird with people don't be weird with people just be yourself don't, don't go in with... This is what I say to my... I teach a community engagement subject at Tabor and I say to my community engagement uh, students, Australians have a really good radar for BS, right? So don't go in and try and trick people. Don't go in with the agenda that I'm only going to get to know these people because I'm going to convert them and bring them along to my church. That's not the agenda. That's not the agenda here at all. Actually, if I was to genuinely share my life with my neighbours, they will know that it is Christ that wells up within me that propels me to do everything that I'm called to do. And they get to know Jesus through me. But the agenda here is, your goal is to genuinely want to share your life with people and to care about them. That's the goal of knowing your neighbour, to genuinely want to care for them. So, if I was to do this again kind of broaden out the block. Uh, I, I call this developing missional listening posts. You ever heard of that before? There's a colleague of mine in the UK who calls this missional listening. So I, I said in the first principle, be present and listen. These are all the places, oh, that all changed. Hopefully you can still read it. Um, the missional listening posts for us, the gathering places in our community, in in where we live, are uh, the bakery, the pub, the primary school, the, our river walk, the dog park reserve and the playground, they're all within a one kilometre radius of our house. Very close proximity, walking distance for all of them. They're all the places where the people in our community hang out. The school is probably the best gathering point. Um, so what I've done with my week is I've actually adjusted my week because I do a lot of hours work. Um, I go in late on Mondays and I come home early on Fridays so that I can be with the school community. And part of that is to be present at the bakery after school drop-off and to be at the pub before we go and pick the kids up from school. That's just what... You go to the pub, all the parents are there at lunchtime. They're all having lunch together. Now, we're not getting sourced. We're, uh, we're actually hanging out and having good conversations. Actually, my wife, Verity, she has a regular... Uh, date with mums from the school and there has not been one week where she hasn't had a conversation about jesus doesn't force it just comes out there are two churches within a one kilometer radius of us one's a really small church one's a fairly large church i'm yet to meet anyone in those other um, places that would identify with one of those two churches uh, and those two churches have not come up on our radar at all. No one in our community that we've met, and we are probably across... I said to my wife, what well, do you reckon, generously, we're probably across about two to 300 people that we interact with in these spaces. None of them interact with those two churches. That's a really telling point. Um, are these neighbourhood churches, or are these churches where people kind of come in from elsewhere? Um, with this neighbourhood listening exercise... And look, this is a real kind of a hack job of summarising some questions, but um, we you could call it prayer walking your community. Um, Dr. Uh, Simon Kerry Holt, who's a Baptist minister in Melbourne, wrote a book called *God Next Door*, one of my favourite books, and I developed a master's thesis around this. And uh, and so there are certain questions you can ask. Of yourself in your mind even print them out and have them on a piece of paper as you walk your community whatever that community might be it might be your workplace it might be your neighborhood it might be your family um, what do i notice and you can translate these questions into any context but the most important question for me down the bottom is what do you think god's already up to in the neighborhood what do you think god's already up to in this space and how is god inviting you to be part of it because the assumption there is god's already ahead of us god's already ahead of us doing stuff and inviting us into it so there's some great stuff there around where do you see hope and life and beauty in the community where do you see signs of struggle and despair where are the places where god's calling us to be present so here's one one other uh, final example of how you could map a community who do you think these people are to me This is a test, Anne, (laughs) Ross, (laughs) work. This is my workplace. These are the people that I see every day. Monday to Friday, I share my workspace with them. Peter's our new state minister, by the way. Hopefully get to meet him sometime. Um, But, I'll actually keep that up there. You can adapt this, this map however you like. The purpose of the exercise is to take a step towards developing awareness in your community. There's an idea I heard from Baptist minister called Mike Frost who uh, throws a challenge out to people who are thinking about being the missionary people of God in their neighbourhood. He says, set yourself a goal to bless three people every week. And he said the rule of this is, one one person has to be a Christian within your network. So bless that person. Another person has to be a non-Christian. And then the third person can be from one of the first two groups. So it could be two Christians and one non-Christian, two non-Christians, one Christian. What he means by bless is from the root word, which actually means to strengthen or build someone up. So make a conscious choice in your week this is one step you can take to bless three people in your life one of those people from within your faith community one of those people from outside your faith community and then the other person free choice bless three people a week build three people a week up Jesus, when he responds to the expert of the law, seeks to subvert the role of the law as rules and regulations and moves it into the realm of God's care and compassion active in the world. That is what he calls us to do today, to be continually subverting the regulations that stop us truly sharing God's love with others due to those rules. So what rules prevent us from showing compassion in a hurting world today? Does someone's social status, gender, race or religion stop us from sharing God's love and grace? In the words of Jesus, go, do likewise. Let's pray. Our loving God, as we're challenged by the text of the Samaritan who helps the unidentified person lying, struggling on the road. May we be challenged at the risks that this parable causes us to consider taking, of putting ourselves in the presence of your spirit ahead of us in the community, in whatever neighbourhood, workplace, um, family, whatever, whatever context we find ourselves in. Lord, may you equip us with the ability to be moved with compassion towards people who need to experience your love and grace. Lord, as we consider uh, just the context in which we find ourselves in on a regular basis, what might be described as our Jericho Road, help us to be present and aware of the people who we encounter. Help us to map out in our minds, either intentionally or unintentionally, who the people are you're calling us to be in relationship with so that your love may be felt through us in this world you are calling us to. We pray these things in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen.